Hello, this is the Drucker Forum Report. I'm Peter Day, and this is a podcast about what's in the air and up for discussion at the 8th Global Peter Drucker Forum. The forum takes place in Vienna in the middle of November. It's where hundreds of people gather every year to discuss the latest trends in companies, organizations, and society inspired by the great management thinker, the late Professor Peter Drucker. He was born in Vienna, and he went on having formative ideas about how society works into his 90s. He died in 2005. This year's theme is the Entrepreneurial Society. With me for this podcast is one of the forum's main speakers, Mariana Mazzucato from the University of Sussex, and she's got a complicated job title, Professor in the Economics of Innovation at the University's Science Policy Research Unit. Professor Masikatu made her name with a book she published three years ago called The Entrepreneurial State. It argued that, contrary to what I think many people think, governments play a big part in creating entrepreneurship. That's the gist of it, Mariana. Well, I would actually argue that many people do argue that government is important. That's not where the controversy is. It's the vocabulary, it's the words, it's the tone. Uh, that is used. So we talk about government being important as enabling, as de-risking, as creating background conditions, whereas what I talk about in the book is government as lead investor, lead risk taker, entrepreneur. Yes, and uh, this in an era when everybody thought market forces prevailed and government should step aside. That was the mood into which you injected this book. Yes, and in fact I begin with the point that actually markets are outcomes their outcomes of interactions between different types of actors, public actors, private actors, third sector actors, civil society as well. And whereas we know quite a bit about what business does, we haven't really thought about, nor have we theorized, the role of the public sector. And hence we get really bad policies. And this book has had enormous impact, hasn't it? You're on call, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, um, I think it came out at the right time because lots of the austerity that occurred after the financial crisis actually occurred in the name of innovation, in the name of dynamism. So my question was, well, what do we actually know about where innovation has come from and what was the role of the state? Now, at this Drucker Forum, you're going to be taking part in a discussion on the state as enabler, investor, innovator. So inject your insights into that theme. Well, I want to talk about the role of the state as actively creating and shaping markets, not only fixing markets through what economists call market failure theory, if you want. And so what I've done in the book, and I'll talk about in the forum, is if we actually look at the few places in the world that have achieved smart innovation-led growth, what the state had to do was much, much more than fixing markets. It had to invest along the whole innovation chain, not just science, lots of applied research, and even providing the high-risk patient finance to the few companies that were interested. Now, we know about the United States, the secret source of innovation in the United States. The Internet came out of the Army commissioning the universities, commissioning companies. The National Institutes of Health do lots of long-term, very deep research work that no pharmaceutical company could afford, don't they? We know about that, but where else does this happen? Well, first of all, we might know about it, but sometimes the numbers people don't know about. So the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, spend over $30 billion a year, even after, you know, the financial crisis with all the sequestration. Um, And that's in, again, distributed across the innovation chain. But what other sources? For example, we have InQtel, one of the biggest venture capital funds in the 
world run by the CIA, <laughs> which should make people a bit scared. Uh, by the way, the CIA was also behind the touchscreen display, which we all have on our iPhones and our iPads, but also lots of the technology behind the companies, if you want, that people like Elon Musk have you know, come out with both in terms of Solar City, but also the Tesla car. So the Tesla car, which is always presented as the next big thing in Silicon Valley after Steve Jobs' products actually would not have come about without the patient finance coming out of the Department of Energy. So Tesla got $465 million as a guaranteed loan. And we should repeat the word guaranteed. It means had Tesla been a failure, because there are many failures, the taxpayer would have picked up the bill. And the taxpayer did pick up the bill, for example, for Solyndra, which received $500 million, uh, in a guaranteed loan. And all people hear about are the failures, and the successes are always presented as a private sector success. And as soon as there's a failure, of course, it's a public sector mess up. Yes, it goes against the, the way we think about America, doesn't it? The land of naked capitalism. How on earth do they let public money into this arena at all, and yet it, it comes and it comes and it comes, and the people who run this are clever at knowing the mechanisms of not spotting winners, because it's earlier than that, isn't it? How do they do it? Two points here. First of all, there's the history, and then there's the current situation, and the current situation actually is no longer like the history. And the history was about this kind of funding, whether it's the NIH, the DARPA, the National Science Foundation funding, was actually not really politically motivated. So even under Reagan, you know, a free marketeer, this kind of financing went up. And after the financial crisis, with all the blame that went to the public sector, even though the financial crisis was caused by private sector debt, there was sort of a backlash against some of these funds. And so for the first time, the National Science Foundation, NASA itself, were facing lots of pressure to show economic value right away. But looking at the history, the point is that the US has often talked like Jefferson, but acted like Hamilton. So there's this whole issue of, you know, did they do that on purpose? almost as a conspiracy, so the rest of the world wouldn't copy. But this has always been mission-oriented financing. The missions used to be about the war, the Cold War, but more recently the missions were around health, which I've already talked about, but also energy. Health, though, this is long-term research being done, far longer, as I say, than any company could contemplate. Yes, but again, it's, it's a bit complicated because companies actually used to be a bit less risk-averse and more long-termist. What has happened in modern-day capitalism is something called financialization, where the profits of very large companies, and many of these are pharmaceutical companies, but also energy companies, are not being reinvested back into areas like research and development, but are being used simply to boost stock prices, for example, through the use of share buybacks. So you buy back your own shares, you boost your stock option, and surprise, surprise, you've boosted executive pay. And the question is why? Why is that? And often these companies will say, oh, well, there's no opportunities for investment. But then again, you look at where this is happening and just even health and energy, of course, there's huge opportunities. And the most obvious sign of an opportunity is actually the state continues to be financing radical innovation in both health and energy. And the question is, why don't we actually have a more symbiotic ecosystem between these public and private actors? So in compensation for having all this public support, the private sector should feel more need to reinvest those profits back into innovation.
How do you decide what the state should do and what should be left to private companies? First, of course, there is the issue of very capital-intensive, high-risk, high-uncertainty areas, which have always been, always in the history of capitalism, have always been first financed, if you want, by the state, which then increases the animal spirits of the business sector, which then steps in. A bit like longitude in Britain. Yes, exactly. But we should also be careful because it's not that there is a very clear-cut division of labor that you could say, fine, the state just does the early stuff, you know, upstream and then downstream in the development phase, the uh, businesses will step in. Actually, what we've always seen is a much more fuzzy boundary. And in fact, as I mentioned before, what we have had in places like Silicon Valley was the public sector through different types of organizations. I should repeat that. It's a decentralized network state, not top-down sort of big brother ministry doing everything. This has been a decentralized network of different public actors all across the whole chain even downstream. And so this is the point that, of course, there's a role for business. This is not about communism. This is not about saying business you know, is not important. It is important, but there's no clear-cut place where the state should step back. Because, in fact, even downstream, when finance as a short-termist as it is, we need long-term patient finance, even downstream financing the actual firms. In Israel, by the way, this happens through a public venture capital fund called Yosma. I know you would bring up Israel because it's the other sort of example where the state gets very, very involved in, uh, well, actually picking winners in Israel, doesn't it? Yes. Well, I don't like the word picking winners because it's so full of assumptions of whether it's about picking or somehow just sitting in the background financing, you know, infrastructure. Now, all the technologies in our iPhone that make the iPhone smart were picked. Now, Yosma itself, when it, it backs companies, it picks particular companies. However, what this means is you have a portfolio of different technologies, different companies that you're financing. You don't just pick one. So, you know, even in Germany with the energy vent policy, that was not just about offshore wind. There's a whole portfolio of different types of technologies, different types of firms that were being backed. And this brings us back to the concept of the mission. What's really important is we're not backing particular firms or sectors. You have a big problem, whether it's around energy or Unfortunately, in the past, it was often around war and the Cold War. But underneath that, you have many different homework problems. And these homework problems require both public and private, but the public part has to also back particular solutions to particular more concrete problems that might require backing particular technologies. Many thanks to Professor Mariana Mazzucato from the University of Sussex, who will be speaking at the Global Peter Drucker Forum in Vienna in November. I'm Peter Day. This is the Drucker Forum Report. More podcasts coming up soon.